Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, articles, podcasts, videos, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com will be joining us on the podcast. We're also going to get into some nonsense, of course, just like we do on every podcast. But I do want to start with this new college football rule that are rules, I should say, that have been put into place about particular parts of the game that I I don't know if I have a problem with it, but I certainly am taking the wait-and-see approach on some of these rules, and it has to do with two different things, two different things that I think uh, both will have at least some sort of impact on the game as a whole, but one of them may not be until uh, later down the road because it doesn't happen that often. But first of all, let's start with targeting. And the NCAA has announced that targeting will no longer have reviews where the play will stand as called. And what I mean by that and what the rule means by that is that you have to have inconclusive evidence of it being targeting or it's not targeting. There's no call will stand on the field. It's either targeting or it's not. And if you can't come to a, can, you can't come to a conclusion that says that it is for sure targeting – then it's not, and the play gets overturned. Simple as that. And it also adds into the fact that any player that racks up three targeting penalties in a season is subject to be suspended for a game by the NCAA. Now, this is a weird thing when it comes to targeting. Targeting is such a strange call because I feel like its intent is in the right place. It's a rule that needs to be and continually needs to be reviewed, upgraded, uh, something that will never just take a back burn, take a seat in the back seat to uh, any of the other rules that are going on in college football because there's so many different moving parts to it. Nobody really understands what it is. Nobody really understands what targeting is or what it isn't. If you just go off social media and looking at some of the calls that were made last year, I can tell you that there were many calls I myself tweeted out that said, that's targeting. But then after review, it says, no, actually, it's not. Or quite the opposite. I say, that's not targeting. But after review, yeah, it was. Targeting, nobody really knows. And I understand that you're trying to make the game safer. I respect that. But there are certain things in the game of football that are just going to happen because of the way the game of football is played. For instance, it cannot be targeting or you cannot be penalized if the ball carrier lowers his head at the point of contact, at the exact same time in a bang-bang play when the defender lowers his head. Both heads collide. It cannot be targeting, folks. You you just can't do it that way. Intent, to me, is everything. Targeting should be about intent. Did the player intend to use his helmet as a weapon? Did he intend to hurt that player? Did he intend to take him out of commission? If that's what he intended, which you can usually tell, at least it usually gives you some clear-cut evidence and reviews, then boom, toss him, give him the penalty, move on from there. But unless you know for a fact that the intent was there, I think it's going to be a tough call to make and a tough rule to continue to police in college football. It's just not as easy as that. So I don't know if anybody will ever figure it out. I don't know if it's – if it'll be fixed this year by having this, I at least like the position that they're taking where it's no longer call will play or the play will, the play will stand as called. I guess is whatever phraseology they use. 
you know, having that, okay, I'm glad they got rid of that because there's times where, you know, you sit there and you're like, hey, listen, unless you can say for sure it's targeting, you should overturn it. You should be on the side or lean towards the side of caution. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that we won't see as many targeting penalties called. And if they are reviewed, then we don't have to worry about kids or students or whoever, fat football players getting kicked out of games for something that they probably didn't deserve to be kicked out for. So first and foremost, that, that's my biggest thing. The next rule is something that is my wait and see rule. And that's with overtime. We all remember that Texas A&M and LSU went to seven overtimes last year. Seven overtimes. Kind of sucked because I was one of those who were really appreciative of Arkansas having the three longest games in college football history, at least being a part of them. And uh, now that Texas A&M and LSU went to seven overtimes, two of the teams that Arkansas fans hate the most, now you kind of have to share that title. Well, I guess the NCAA felt like that was wrong. They felt like that that's not what it needs to be. That was bad for the game of football. I disagree completely that it was bad for the game of football, but that's what the NCAA says. So their new rule change is that overtime will remain the same as it always has been through four overtimes. You'll have the first two overtimes playing just like a normal game, 25-yard line out. No running clock. Once you get to the third and fourth overtime, no longer you can kick extra points on touchdowns. You got to go for two. Fine. I've been okay with that rule. But once the fifth overtime starts, which again, this does not happen very often, so we probably won't see this rule take effect uh, for quite some time. But once the, once the fifth overtime starts, it then becomes alternation of two-point conversions. Essentially like penalty kicks in soccer. You get the ball from three yards out, two yards out, whatever it is, and you try to score a two-point conversion. If you don't do it and then the next team does, they win. If you do it but the next team does not, you win. Simple as that. Back and forth, back and forth. One single play, one shotgun play to win it all once it gets to the fifth overtime. I don't know if I like this rule. I don't know if uh, it's going to make the overtimes better because, honestly, I thought the overtimes were just perfectly fine the way they were. I still believe that college football overtime is 20 billion times better than what the NFL overtime is or what they try to be. I don't know. It sucks. That's all I know about it. But I at least will want to see how this plays out because it still may, may make it very entertaining. It still may give us uh, a lot of reason to watch the games and to watch overtime, but it really comes down to television, I think, more than anything. TV, they don't want these games going a long time. They didn't, they didn't get advertising dollars for overtime periods. And they want the game shortened. They want the game shortened to where it's just into their little window of ad buys. And they don't want to give away free inventory after the fact. People can tell me all day long that's not the case. But come on now, folks. That is 100% the case. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll see if there's actually a fifth overtime game that happens this year. I'll be surprised if there, do, if there is because it doesn't happen that often. I mean, for crying out loud, Arkansas played in a seven-overtime game in 03, and the next one that happened was in 2018. So you're talking about 15 years later. So it doesn't happen very often. But when it does, I'll be curious to see if it's as entertaining as, it, as the rule was before. I highly doubt it, but, hey, it's at least worth a shot. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 
Razorback baseball took on Northwestern State last night and, and won in a real barn burner, 19-2 to in eight innings. And the Razorbacks now are 31-10. and Another game happening this afternoon against Northwestern State. And to continue to talk about the Razorback baseball team, let's welcome in Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com. Good morning, Andrew. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about you? Uh, we're doing well, and it's been actually a, a pretty interesting conversation we've had about this Razorback baseball team and uh, just at the point in time that they're at this season, we're doing some math as far as compared to last season, what the Razorbacks were doing at this point in time. And, and it's pretty similar to how this team's record is going. And of course, they still have some big series going up. But just from what you thought about this team and what you thought they were capable of to where they're at right now, is this about what you expected out of the Razorback baseball team right now? You know, I actually did a uh, you know preseason predictions piece uh, about uh, a couple of days before the season started and you know, I actually this is a, they're actually about three games ahead of where I thought they would be uh, in terms of conference play. Uh, they they have actually outperformed my predictions by one game each the last three weekends. Uh, you know, I picked them to beat Mississippi, but I didn't expect them to sweep. Uh, that was a bit of a surprise. Uh, and uh, to be able to go on the road and, and beat Auburn, win that series, win a game on the road at Vanderbilt. Uh, you know they they've been playing really really well. Uh, I expected this team to be maybe a top twenty five type team. I expected there to be a little bit of a step back from last year uh, because they just lost so many pieces from last year's national runner up team. Uh, but here they are, top ten team. You know, knocking on the top five uh, and playing really really well. It, it's pr- it's been pretty incredible the job Van Horn has done uh, this year getting the team to this level because. You know, there there is no Blaine Knight, there is no Casey Murphy, there is uh, you 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 lost I think six of your nine you know everyday starters, uh, Carson Shaddy, Luke Bonfield, Jared Gates. I mean, all those guys are gone, and they've just plugged in new pieces, and and here they are. So uh, they are a little bit better than what I thought they would be. Uh, we'll see how they finish out the season, but here they are in a in a really good spot to potentially you know, host a regional and maybe even a super regional yeah. uh, to, to kind of get them on track to, to maybe making another return trip to Omaha. You mentioned the, the potential of hosting a super regional. It's so razor thin right now from like first to sixth in, in the West. And it, it's going to be a shame for whichever team ends up on the short end of the stick in the SEC. It, it's so good from about like one to nine right now in this league, it seems like. Andrew, there's going to be some really good teams that don't in the SEC that there's just not a seat at the table in those top eight national seeds. I mean, how many SEC teams do you think will earn that? And then how many other SEC teams do you think are going to be in the running? It looks to me like the SEC is going to have like six teams that are going to make a bid for a top eight seed. And I don't, you know, what, three or four maybe going to probably earn that right? Yeah, I think last year, I want to say there was four of them that earned a top eight seed. And I could see that happening again, just because uh, you've got Georgia, I think is now up to number three or four in the country. Uh, you know, Arkansas is in that conversation. Vanderbilt's in that conversation. Uh, so you're going to see a lot of those teams get that top eight seed then several more in that top 16 seed that get to host a regional. So uh, I think last I checked, I believe there's 10 of the 14 teams are in the top 25. Uh, so you could say all those teams are still in the conversation to potentially host a regional. So it's it's a loaded conference. I think two games separates first through sixth place in the SEC West, uh, and and you know the the East always has some good teams. And you know 
Florida is down this year, but they could always get hot. They've got the talent. Uh, they could always get hot and make a run and, and you know try to get back to the NCAA tournament conversation. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a loaded conference. I mean, one bad weekend this weekend against Tennessee, and you could be go from being first place in the SEC West to you know sixth place in the SEC West. It just it it flips on you really quick. So I think that's why Van Horn has, has been really cautious and been like, you know, hey. We like where we're at, but we also understand there's four weekends left. And that's why you make the argument, if you if, if, if it doesn't hold a lot of water because it doesn't mean as much, but the SEC tournament in Hoover is a tougher field and probably harder to win if you were trying to do so than the event in Omaha because of the time frame, because of pitching constraints, because of a lot. That field in Hoover is going to be just a murderer's row this year. Yeah, I mean, it's every year it's a, it's a preview of Omaha, and, and really – uh, unless you get one of those top, I think I, the, the format's really weird. Uh, there's some single elimination, then it goes double elimination, back to single elimination. Uh, but if you can get one of those top three or four seeds in the tournament and, and you can stay out of the loser's bracket, then go ahead and go win the tournament. But if you have, to, if you lose the game, you almost are better off, you know, losing pretty early, only playing a couple of games because if you get stuck playing five or six games in a span of four or five days mm-hmm. you get you know you burn up a lot of pitching and it, you get really in a in a hole going into the regional so it is kind of a, it's a weird tournament you, you would like to win it arkansas in in recent years has done well but they get to the semifinals or even the finals and they usually you know get matched up with lsu and lsu just as one of those teams that has arkansas's number but it is it's almost like a a, a preview of Omaha because there are you know as I mentioned I think 10 teams that are ranked in the top 25 and and 12 of the of the 14 teams make the make Hoover so it, it's going to be an interesting matchup in 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 the SEC tournament because there are just so many really good teams and honestly any of them are fully capable of going down there and winning that thing speaking with Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com here on the morning rush Andrew just kind of going to where Arkansas is going they're where they're projected to go as far as getting into postseason play, I felt like this time last year, we all knew. We all knew that this was a team that had the capability of not only making it to Omaha, but making it to the final, even winning it all. And they were, of course, a foul ball away. It just felt like it was there. And that was the expectation. This year's team, is, we talked about how good they are. We talked about how they've really come along and they have some plenty of time left. But do you get that same vibe, that same feeling where this team has the makeup, has the capability of not only going to Omaha but winning it all. Are they that good of a team? You know, you have to start wondering about that because they have been just winning. Uh, it's been incredible how how much they've have, they've won. You know, as I mentioned, they've kind of exceeded some expectations. Uh, you know, I think they were preseason number sixteen in a lot of the polls around that area, and you know they're up to number six in some polls. So. Uh, they they've exceeded some expectations, and, and anytime you're in that top top eight category, you got to start wondering, hey, if they can get to Omaha, you know, who knows what could happen? And uh, of course, the difference between this year's team and last year's team, the records are very very similar. They they may even be honestly a little bit ahead this year to compare it to last year. But last year's schedule was just absolutely loaded. Uh, you know, Texas uh, they played Texas just like they did this year, but that they were a a top 10 team. Uh, Texas Tech was on the schedule. All of the SEC road series uh, were against teams that either were a, a top eight national seed or made it to Omaha. So they had a much, much tougher schedule last year. 
which maybe you know hurt the record a little bit, but you still got that vibe from them that man, they are going to be good. You had you know one two punch and Blaine Knight and Casey Murphy on the rotation, uh, you know, and Isaiah Campbell was capable of being good last year, uh, and you had a, just a power one through nine in the lineup. Uh, this year's a little bit different. Uh, they are pretty good one through nine in the lineup. Uh, they have pretty good pitching. Obviously, it was spectacular this past weekend with what Connor Nolan was able to do. Uh, Isaiah Campbell has been uh, just the dominant ace on Friday night. Uh, so they they've got the pieces to be a dangerous team in the postseason. And uh, you know if they can if they can host the regional and super regional, and they're playing at Bomb Stadium where they are really really good and really tough to beat, uh, then I think they have a very clear path to Omaha. And, of course, once you get to Omaha, anything can happen. Arkansas has one of their final two non-conference games scheduled for tonight with Northwestern State. But I want to look ahead to the weekend with Tennessee coming in, Tony Vitalo coming here. G- give us a preview of, of what's ahead this weekend, uh, taking on a Tennessee team that, that, that comes in here that's been playing better baseball uh, under Tony Vitalo. Yeah, they Tony Vitalo has that thing turned around pretty quick. Tennessee was expected to not be very good. They weren't. Uh, very good last year, but here they are, number 20 in the country in a couple of polls. Uh, so they are a, a, I think it's the fifth straight ranked opponent Arkansas played on the weekend. Uh, very, very good team, very pitching oriented, uh, which you is kind of a, li- a little bit surprising. You know, Vitello is the hitting coach here at Arkansas, but he's built the Tennessee Vols around, around pitching. I think they're top five in the country in ERA, uh, strikeout, strikeout to walk ratio. They are a very, very good. Uh, so it's going to be tough to scratch some runs across against them. But uh, if you can do that, then you're going to be in really good position. Uh, it helps that it is in Fayetteville. Uh, they get to get to play that at home. Uh, should be an interesting matchup. I know Van Horn is kind of looking forward to seeing Tony Vitello again. But, you know, this, this isn't anything new to him because he's been used to playing, you know, Childress at Texas A&M is one of his former assistants uh, the Louisiana Tech coach earlier in the year is one of his former assistants. So he's played some of his former assistants before, and it's not really a big deal uh, to him. So uh, I'm anxious to see how they match up Arkansas's lineup against uh, the pitching of Tennessee because they are very, very good. Uh, anytime you can post a, a top five uh, ERA in the country in the SEC facing the lineups that they're facing week in and week out, it's, it's a pretty impressive deal. Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com. You can follow him on Twitter at NWA Hutch. Really appreciate you hopping on with us this morning, Andrew. Good stuff, man. I'm sure we'll be catching up with you later down the road, all right? All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at Neighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.